0: Welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Halloween is just around the corner, but did you know you can find some spooky days before then to celebrate with National Black Cat Day and National Frankenstein Friday coming up this week, but perhaps the spookiest of all for some people is National Mother-in-Law Day. There's a lot of scary things in October, but probably the issue scaring people the most right now is finances, which is where we start today's show. More financially educated than baby boomers, but less so than millennials, Gen X has found their way into a vast range of high-paying careers and have earned and spent an exuberant amount of money. Today, Kevon Beaumier from Meridian Credit Union joins me to discuss the unique challenges this cohort is facing and how to navigate it all. For parents of teens, there is often nothing more frustrating than when a teen's intentions and execution don't align. So how do you manage it without blowing your top? Allie Payne, what she said's expert on all things adolescence, joins me to discuss how to manage this very tricky scenario without losing your cool and encouraging your teen to keep going. And Brody is in with this week's new releases, which includes a look at a new documentary on the legendary Buffy St. Marie, plus the funny and heart-wrenching Ray and Raymond, starring Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke, plus The Good Nurse with Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne, and The Peripheral, a new series on Amazon which envisions a somewhat brighter future. Dr. Prachi Srivastava is back to discuss education in Canada, and this week we take a look at where Canada sits on a global stage and what we should be striving for right now when it comes to 17 Sustainable Development Goals established by the United Nations. I replay an interview this week that I did last year around this time with the one and only Melissa Dilks-Pateras who skyrocketed to over a million followers on TikTok sharing laundry hacks. Who knew laundry could be so compelling? Finally, Ottawa native Steph La Rochelle pops by to discuss her debut album, Wildflower, and to share the single No Sleep Tonight with us. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now. I am a proud card-carrying member of Gen X, and if you are too, then today's interview with Kavan Beaumier, Regional Vice President of Wealth Management and Financial Planning with Meridian Credit Union, is here for you. More financially educated than baby boomers, less than millennials, Gen X has found their way into a vast range of high-paying careers and have earned and spent an exuberant amount of money. Unfortunately for many Gen Xers, family planning often happens at a whim, balancing private priorities has been a non-issue with the low interest rates and low inflation of the last 15 years, and early retirement seems like a far-off distant dream that only comes with a large inheritance. But if there's one thing we know about Gen X, they're fierce and resilient, so let's look at some tools they can implement to get their financial picture under control. Welcome to the show, Kavan. How are you today?
1: I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Candace. How are you?
0: I'm great. So I, I'm so excited to get into this, mostly because I'm Gen X. So I can relate to most of what we're going to be talking about today. So mm-hmm. if there was something you wanted to say to Gen X right off the top of this interview, is there something you would tell them? Well, I
1: would start by saying, be still my heart. Uh, there is so we And I, I, I share a lot of these hacks with my household in mind. So I happen to be married to a Gen Xer myself, and I'm just on the cusp of being an older millennial. And a lot of what we're going to chat about today uh, is, is relevant to my household as well as many others. There's three key messages that we want to take away from today's conversation, and that's that with diligence and maybe a little bit of sacrifice, um, you'll get there. A lavish, luxurious life could be just around the corner. And essentially, you need it, you want it, you got to have it. A bona five financial professional who's got your back.
0: I absolutely uh, agree with you on this. I think it's hard though, right now in the current financial environment to see silver linings. What silver mm-hmm. linings are you seeing?
1: So I'm seeing that, you know, what we are experiencing today has been experienced before. And what we're doing as professionals in finance is we're tapping into maybe some of our our, our tools, our fundamental tools from the past. Uh, prior to the financial crisis that uh, are very effective in managing priorities and prepping for family planning and in, and even preparing for an early retirement. So I hope to share some of that with you today.
0: Okay. So let's talk about um, some of the tools we can put in place because I know one of them you listed was life insurance. And I feel like people are going to immediately balk at that. Can you expand on why that is an important financial planning tool?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think I commented, life insurance is not a bad word. And so, when, especially when you are starting off with establishing a a strong financial foundation, you want to take a look at uh, this really helpful tool. And it's called the finance, finance pyramid or financial pyramid. And this pyramid exists to establish, like I said, that strong foundation and then to help guide you along your journey to then adding other layers of what it is to be well-established financially in life. And the base of this pyramid is often life insurance. So with um, the proper advice and the proper planning, you can really help to establish um, some safety and some security for your family in the event the unforeseen happens, and you're not able to be there and earn the income that you plan on earning for that long term.
0: One of the other things you talk about is having a will and a power of eternity. Mm. These are two things that, again, I think that we just naturally, it's in our DNA to resist talking about our mortality. Yes. Uh, but the longer we put it off, the worse it gets, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and the common thing is, well, I'm so young. You know, I'm not going to pass away anytime soon. I don't need to start talking about estate planning or thinking about estate planning. But really, the fact of the latter is, is, is we're all mortal. And um, even though we have a longer average lifespan, the unforeseen can happen. And the primary thing is you want to ensure that if for some reason you fall ill and you're disabled at, at any point in time, that you have a power of attorney in place to help identify who's going to help you manage your affairs while you're ill or unable to do it yourself. Typically, it's your spouse or a trusted family member or a friend. Same thing goes, say you're ill and you're not able to manage your affairs, then you have children. Those children still need to be cared for. And that often involves finances. On the uh, will side, you know, that really um, moral piece is that eventually that's one thing that's guaranteed. Like we're all going to pass away. And so that will helps to determine how your children will again be cared for in the event that you're no longer here or your family members, your spouse, whomever it is that, that is, is most important to you in your life. How they'll be cared for, and kind of most of the details that are relevant to that being settled, so that doesn't get tied up.
0: Okay, so we're we're addressing sort of the big, you know, end of life things here, but let's move back into the everyday because nobody's going anywhere today. Everybody is going to be staying right here, listening to this show. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about living in the now. Yeah, and I, again, I can't help but point out the financial strain we're all feeling. So how do we plan for these? You talk about deal makers and deal breakers, and I love that. So can you expand on that a
1: little bit? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So we were all raised in a financial environment at home in our upbringing. And a lot of time, those values, those conversations and approaches to finance really stick with us as we become adults. And so when you are working on balancing your priorities, right, and dealing with these higher interest rates and inflation rising, you know. You start to figure to around or to, to learn that you have to choose, right? So what I usually recommend is definitely establish what can I live without? What can't I live without? I, for instance, cannot live without travel uh, or shoes or, you know, a couple of other luxuries in life. So instead of splurging on these things, you know, 20, 30 times in the year, Perhaps dial it back and say, I'm going to allow myself to splurge on something 10 times a year, five times a year, and establish what that is going to be. Is it going to be concerts? Is it going to be, you know, a really good weekend away with friends? Whatever the case is, kind of what what those ideas are. And if you deviate from it a little bit, that's fine you got to be ready to reel yourself in if you find you're spending a little too much and it's taking away from other priorities in your household.
0: One of the other things you mentioned was obtaining a custom financial plan. Yes. I think this is an important one to bring up because interestingly enough, Gen X, we're very attached to our technology. Unlike our parents might be, we're all on social media. uh, And there are a lot of so-called experts Mm -hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. how do we know who's really an expert in this area?
1: Well, that's a wonderful question. And something that I mentioned there is you, you really want to be aware that self-proclaimed uh, expert. And so we have a lot of friends, family members, co-workers, and people who we just cross paths with every day that make all kinds of suggestions about what we should and shouldn't do. But you really want to ensure that you're working with a professional. There are various designations and certifications that they can have. They can have a a PSP designation, CFP designation. Uh, They can have other sorts of credentials, even to the extent of a CFA designation. But but what you want is to work with someone who has the ability to put a really comprehensive plan in front of you that looks at today and then the medium term. And then if you're looking long term, the long term as well.
0: We have a couple of minutes left, and I really would like to focus on this one piece, Mm. investing, because I hear it all the time from people talking about now is the time. That feels like a stretch, again, with budget. So how do we find the budget to invest? And how do we know where to invest?
1: Two great questions. I'm someone who's been investing for a very long time for clients and personally. And it's even a struggle sometimes personally, right? Because, again, it's competing priorities. And so the key is always pay yourself first, so from your paycheck, you have the ability to have a certain percentage of your income go to either an employer plan or a non-employer plan, something that you work out with your financial professional. That is, that is crucial. Uh, the other thing is, is the way you invest can also earn money for you, right? So there's these various types of um, instruments that exist to help you build wealth. So by, by holding yourself accountable, to ensuring you're paying yourself first, and then also by leveraging the opportunities that exist in the market, you can end up doing quite well. The key line that I always, always like to drive home is it's time in the market, not timing the market. Um, But right now we're is You actually have the opportunity to take advantage of a dip. And uh, when these dips happen, it's like real estate. It's like buying a house for, for a low price if that housing market goes down. We're in a similar environment right now. So it's really a great to win, even though it seems like there's so much uncertainty. So
0: it's a buyer's market essentially uh, right now for investing.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Now, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview with Carrie Anderson about retirement. So I hope all the Gen X listeners who are approaching the upper end of that nearing retirement uh, will go listen to that. I know that you have it up on your site uh, under her sense, and that I also have it uh, up on podcast so people can go listen to that. But for more on you know, specifically financial planning for Gen X, mm-hmm. where can people go to connect with a Meridian Credit Union advisor?
1: We have the ability to go over the bios of our various advisors with you. So you just visit meridiancu.ca forward slash well.
0: I just want to also emphasize you guys always share good information on your social channels. So that's at Meridian CU, I believe on most channels or Meridian Credit
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, This was incredibly helpful. Thank you for having me.
1: More of What She Said with
2: Candace Sampson coming up.
0: Medicinal mushrooms offer a multitude of health benefits, including immune support, improved energy, and stress reduction. Medicinal mushroom extracts from New Roots Herbal are hot water extracted, providing you validated potency so you can get their full health benefits. Discover Reishi, Lion's Mane, or Resilience, a seven mushroom blend. Find the complete selection of medicinal mushrooms extracts from New Roots Herbal exclusively at Qualcomm health food stores. To learn more, visit newrootsherbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label
2: And now back to what she said. Here's Candace Sampson.
0: It's that time of the month again. No, not that time. The time to check in with Allie Payne, who is here to talk about our teens. And today we're going to get into intention versus execution. Uh, I think something a lot of parents struggle with, Allie.
3: Yes. I mean, this is so frustrating. How many times do you hear your teenager say something that they want to do to start or they want to change And they say something that they want to change that you have only been nagging and reminding them until your nails are curling to yes, yes, that, yes, that. And you get so excited that you're like, yes, are you going to change? Are you going to change? You're going to do it right. Are you going to do it right? And then you don't see them execute on it. And the level of frustration and ire that that raises as a parent, knowing that that change actually needs to happen when you hear them saying but i I want to do the change, and then they don't so I want to talk about this for a second because uh in the work that I'm doing with paris this this particular topic is coming up a lot now we're going to talk about it specific to all parent and teens, and then I'm gonna dial it in a little bit more teenage the teenage brain a normally neuro a, a normal teenage brain if there is such a thing i don't know but a normal teenage brain okay they already struggle with procrastination motivation um anything that requires an extensive amount of change because of the adolescent brain growth their executive function is still um, their they're emotional and many other parts of their brain are well in advance, but the execution, huh? the intention, oh, I've got a lot of that. But the execution part is, is still forming and sadly won't be finished forming until they're 25. So teenagers normally might express an intention to do something or change something and not get to the execution level of it. Now, as a parent, when you're on, yes, team change, yes, let's get that done, it can be really hard not to jump in there through Mm. righteousness, condemnation, criticism, and judgment because now you adult brain perspective say, oh, well, aren't you all out of integrity? Mm, You say this thing, but you do this. Well, that's not that's not reliable. That's not, and all these other moral judgments. I have to tell you, I have to pause you right there. I'm just,
0: I feel, I feel this one so deeply. And I think, I think <laughs> that I have learned through this happening so many times now that my reaction, I've learned to, um, I guess, uh, temper my reaction. Because I, yes. I have learned that when you bring in shame or you didn't do that or yes. how disappointing, yes. it's not really, a, it's not going to change the behavior. It's certainly not going to drive execution of the act. Uh, and it's just going to drive a wedge between you and your teen, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Yes. And that, I love it, is because what you are focused on as the adult partly because you're invested in whatever the change is. Let's say, you know, getting more homework done or getting up earlier or whatever the things that so would be very helpful for you. So you're invested in the execution of it and then more and more irritated by them not executing on this. So let me just quickly let, let you lean into the brain a little bit here is that, again, I had said, they do not have, not that they do not have, but they struggle with the executive function development to overcome regular inertia of not changing, which we all have. And I, that's a whole other part of the science part of the brain. But I want to make it very clear to you nothing changes without the intention. Nothing. So here's what I want your approach to be next time your teenager says they want to change something that you may have a personal and very vested interest in them changing, knowing that they already struggle with the executive function to actually enact that change. I want you to say to them, I believe you. I believe you want to change that. And add to that, you could say, so tell me more about that. Tell me why you would want to change. What would work for you about that? What, what feels like a struggle about changing? What do you already think works that you have in place to create the change? Here's why. Why? You can either pour your wet bucket of judgment and and shame on their lack of execution, which completely drowns out the intention, or you can fan the flames of intention, which makes execution more likely. Yeah. You choose. Because in any stage of the brain, now in ADD brains, I'm just going to say this right now for all the parents of ADD brains, it's even far more magnified because they struggle with... Task initiation, even more than a regular teen brain, and task maintenance, which means the focus to continue it, Um, which I am going to say, if teens are going to change, please let go of perfect because their brain does not have that capacity. And until you're perfect, let's not overlay that on them. And the last thing I want to say is that intention, even for an addict, many, many addicts want to change. But there is significant science in our brains that show that change is, in fact, one of the hardest things that we will ever undertake. Yeah. So fan the flames of intention or you can wet, you can water all over it. But if you fan the flames of intention with I believe you, you got this. What would it take? you can be part of supporting the execution.
0: Yeah, I love it. Allie, you're always, I'm telling you, I am a better parent because of you. uh, And I always appreciate these talks with you. You always, uh, you know, make me pause and think. And it's a good reminder to know that if your child doesn't follow through, they know they haven't followed through. You piling on the guilt is just going to make it worse. So uh, thank you for this. I think this is an important reminder for all parents today. You're gonna be back next month. Um, As always, though, I can't thank you enough. Where can people keep up with
3: you, though? Uh, They can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Allie Payne, A-L-Y-P-A-I-N, or on my website, AlliePine.com. Incredible. Thank you, Allie.
0: If you're looking for your next great watch, look no further. Anne Brody is here, and she has new entertainment. Let's kick it off talking about a legend, Buffy St. Marie. Oh, my goodness. What a woman.
2: 81, runs around the stage like a teenager. She's been a lifelong activist. She spoke out and sang about uh, residential schools and theft of lands of indigenous people and the stripping away of culture back in the 60s in the coffee houses in Yorkville and in Chelsea and Manhattan. Um, But she's done so much more. She's been a a great philanthropist. Um, She was also in a lot of TV productions, including uh, Medicine Woman. And, uh, the first indigenous woman to win an Oscar for the song Up We Belong, which we all know and love, the first woman to breastfeed on Sesame Street. And she founded, uh, the cradle board teaching project, which helps young people, um, find their way, and, and retain their culture. She's a really impressive person, and this documentary brings in a ton of big names who, who speak lovingly about her, um, and interviews with her. She lives in Hawaii now, but she's still touring, and we love her, so that's a great one to watch. It's on Crave.
0: All right, excellent. Um, you can't stop talking about Raymond and Ray, so what is that all about? Wow.
2: you um, and McGregor, plays a really reserved fellow named Raymond. His brother, played by Ethan Hawke, is Ray, so their father named them with the same names. They've uh, borne a great grudge against him um, all their lives. He was incredibly abusive, and then he abandoned them. Um, so they get word that he's died, and, and he is asked that they come and attend his funeral and dig his graves. I mean, what an insult. They go because I think they're still trapped in something, so they go there, and lo and behold, they meet a couple of twin uh acrobats, their brothers that they didn't know about, and the woman now living in their father's house has a baby, another brother, so all these brothers keep showing up and it's It's very funny, but it's based on great conversation um. Uh, just searing stuff and philosophical between Ethan and Ewan. They give great performances. I would not be at all surprised if they were nominated. Um, and and Sophie Okonedo from England, she plays a woman who who listens to Ray's problems to help him out of a bind. And meanwhile, <laughs> Ray is now sleeping with his father's wife. So you know it's it's pretty crazy, but again, as I say, it's the beautifully scripted conversation and the performances, spot on that carry this. It's wonderful, and it's on uh, Apple.
0: It sounds just messy enough that it might make people feel better about their lives. I so, think so. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, the Good Nurse is another good one coming out. Oh my God, I'm still shaking watching that. It's based
2: on a true story, and Ed Redmayne, Eddie Redmayne. I'm sure he's going to be nominated. He plays this uh, very nice laid-back nurse who comes to work in a hospital in 2003, somewhere in Pennsylvania. And Jessica Chastain plays another, uh, in what is it, intensive care unit nurse. And um, she has a heart condition that she has to keep secret, so he helps her a great deal. And they become close. He becomes friends with her children. And one night a woman dies who should not have died. And a couple of nights later, another woman dies who shouldn't have died. So the police launch an investigation. Um, the hospital's risk management board will not allow any kind of investigation. They do everything to um, prevent it from happening. Uh, and it's not really a spoiler because it's a true story. The male nurse, Eddie Redmain's character, falls under suspicion. Uh, it's so dramatic, it's so intense that you cannot believe what you're watching. Uh, and it just proves once again that truth is stranger than fiction. It's really good.:
0: We don't really have to look far for f- good stories or compelling stories in this world anymore. Um, let's wrap this up with peripher- peripheral. <laughs> peripheral.: I know I am) <laughs> <laughs> All right. it's
2: these) uh, a brother and sister in the deep American South are incredibly poor, but you could tell it's a few years ahead because even they have a Roomba machine, which actually figures into the plot. Their mother's very ill, so they have to raise money. They have a trailer on their property, and that's where the her brother, uh, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's brother, goes to play video games, reality, virtual reality games on behalf of rich people so he makes a lot of money that way, in it's black market. Well, he asks her to help out. She says, all right, I'll try. She puts on the headset. She's transported to London 70 years in the future, and she meets someone who knows her and knows the situation. Uh, but one of the funny things is that Buckingham Palace is now an events venue. It shows a future world that that you know, we all think of techn- technology as, as saving us, and uh, but this is the exact opposite. Um, and it's a really good cautionary tale. And Morat is just terrific in this. She's able to go from one reality to another reality, an emotional reality to another emotional reality like that. So it's a very chilling version of an allegedly bright future.
0: And where is that on in? That is on Prime Video. Well, of course, we never have enough time to get to all of the week's shows. So over on talk.com, you have all of them listed for this week. And we'll see you again next week, And Thanks so much.
2: More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming right up.
0: Is joint pain keeping you from enjoying your favorite activities? Whether it's reducing acute pain and chronic inflammation or rebuilding worn-down cartilage, New Roots Herbal can help. Discover joint pain relief, Inflaheal Plus, and Chondroitin glucosamine from New Roots Herbal. Only the highest quality natural ingredients tested for purity and potency in an ISO accredited lab. Available exclusively at your local health food store. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. La, la.
2: Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Simpson.
0: The Sustainable Development Goal 4 is about quality education and is among the 17 Sustainable Development Goals established by the United Nations in September 2015. Dr. Prachi Sarvastava is tenured associate professor at Western University, specializing in education and global development, and visiting professor at McGill University. She has joined what she said over the last year to explore the impact of the pandemic on education, what's at risk when we underfund education, and what the future may hold. Today we're taking a look at where Canada sits on a global stage and what we should be striving for right now. Welcome back Prachi.
4: Thanks, Candace. Thanks for having me back on the show.
0: I think, you know, there are 17 goals, sustainable development goals set up by the United Nations. But I think a lot of Canadians might think, well, certainly we don't have to strive for those goals. This must be other countries. Okay. But that's not the case, correct? What is it that we should be most concerned about when it comes to those goals?
4: That's right. Well, the sustainable development agenda is a global agenda. I think it's it's these are high-level goals that were set in 2015 for all UN member states, and Canada, of course, is a member state of the UN. And part, uh, you know, looking forward to to 2030, this is part of the agenda for sustainable development. Now, of course, most of the conversation is around low and low-middle-income countries, but high-income countries and G7 countries like Canada also have inequities and gaps that we are seeing, that we are particularly feeling now as a result of uh, economic circumstances that are changing, climate change issues, um, and of course the pandemic. So some of these, I mean, I, I'm not going to go over all of them, but for example, goal one is no poverty. Uh, goal two is zero hunger. Well, we have a question around health and well-being. We have a goal on quality education. We have one on gender equality. We have one on clean water and sanitation. We have one on affordable and clean, uh, and clean energy. You can, and the list goes on. You can see that all of these are relevant to Canada. They're relevant to all of us. Um, and especially given what we've seen over the last two years and the um, exasperation really of many inequities um, and more conversations now around climate change and sustainable living all of these are actually much more relevant to understanding Canada's place in the world. So, how can we support other other countries, but also how we do this domestically? It's interesting to
0: me that you mention hunger because I had Kirsten Beardsley from Feed, Food Banks Canada on recently, and we were discussing the growing demand for food banks uh, in Canada, which means that. You know, a lot of kids are going to school hungry, which means they're thinking about food, which means they're not thinking about their education. And, you know, we have to start drawing the lines between these things for people so that we all understand how important it is um, that we're addressing
4: these things, because this is a Canadian issue. Absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing to understand is that the sustainable development goals are all integrated, right? Right. So, that when you're understanding what the big global goals are working towards, they're really trying to put together all of these different social and economic issues into one big platform. So, I work on SCG4, which is on quality education, and that really tries to look at the place of education as an integrated um, facet amongst all of the goals. So, when we talk about no poverty, and or, or zero hung, or, or or no hunger and 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 no poverty. The effects of that on education are 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 huge. As you mentioned, households that are having to really struggle with issues around poverty, with issues around hunger, what that means for children going into the education system is that a we know that students that are coming from lower income backgrounds have more challenges. And that a lot of that is really due to instabilities at home, economic instabilities at home. One of the best investments um, from a public sector investment for actually raising education outcomes is providing free school meals. That's one of the things we've seen globally that is one of the best investments. And so when we talk about increasing education access, increasing education inequities, Of course, it's about what happens in terms of pedagogy in the school, but it's also about understanding the lived experiences of households and how we can alleviate those burdens within the school system. So if we think about it from an integrated way, we then think, okay, if free school meals is something that increases life chances, life opportunities. Well-being, health and education outcomes it seems like a bit of a no-brainer. It seems like the kind of initiative that can be cross-sectorally financed, right? You could look at it not the, the budget not just from an education view, but also from different sectors that can help to finance and cross-sectorally finance those kinds of initiatives that would really have a big effect on what we see going forward in terms of raising outcomes and health and well-being outcomes, but also education outcomes. It's incredibly
0: frustrating because it, it's such a short sighted view we have on the education system right now that we're not thinking how this plays out down the road. And if these kids can't focus in school, they can't get, you know, the next job, they can't be contributing to society um, the way we would want them to. Uh, but it feels like we're just not thinking far enough ahead. So, where does Canada sit right now on a global stage in terms of its education systems?
4: It's, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to say from, we're coming out of this two-year disruption, right, to education. And what we do know is that the disruption was real and that the losses were real. Now, given that Canada is a decentralized system, the different provinces dealt with the education disruption differently. And really what we mean by that is the length of school closures was quite varied. I've said this before. On your show, and I've said it many times in many interviews, that we had, pro- uh, you know, province like Quebec, uh, which had around ten to twelve weeks of disruption, and then we had Ontario, which had the highest disruption at around twenty-eight weeks. So even when we look at, you know, domestically across Canada, the experiences across provinces have been quite different. Now, it doesn't take that much more um, science to understand. That longer disruption means more losses. This is now empirically uh, been shown to be the case. In fact, at a high-level World Bank uh, seminar, uh, the head of education there said that, you know, we can say that for every month of closure, there's about a month of loss, okay? Now, a lot of the the modeling studies show that in high-income countries like Canada, there have been losses from two months up to two years, depending on the subject, depending on what we're looking at. We're looking at income losses for this generation. It's around $17 trillion just because of the school disruptions. If we're looking at GDP losses, if we take an average of around 10 to 14 weeks off the top of my head, this was like napkin math. I estimated it to be around $86 billion of current year GDP. All of this is these are these are Big figures and their real losses. Where does Canada sit? I think one of the, the big opportunities and advantages that Canada has is that if we look within the G7, which is the comparable uh, countries in terms of economies, if we look within the G7, we have the smallest demographic of, school, of, of students in school. We have roughly five and a half million children in elementary and secondary schools across the country. And we have relatively a high level of per pupil um, expenditure when we compare to other countries, but we are seeing budget cuts. And we're seeing budget cuts in the context of actually having resources. So if we look at the province of Ontario, for example, we know that there have been an estimated $1 billion of, of budget cuts to the budget in education. And that cut is gonna continue for the next seven years going up to $12 billion. So in a context where we have losses, in a context where we are seeing other development indicators being seriously um, threatened, uh, we shouldn't be seeing cuts when we have had uh, you know, resources available to us. Those are the opportunities. A lot of this is political decision-making. And I think that's really important to understand because a lot of times what we say is, well, what does the evidence say? The evidence is very clear. Long-term disruptions are bad. They're bad for education. They're bad for social mobility. They're bad for economics. And 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 the more investment that we can give in a time of crisis, the better it is in terms of um, actually coming in and stepping in to fill those gaps. And a lot of that has to be done by government budgets. We're in a much better situation than many, many other countries, than most of the countries in the world. Um, and and certainly when we compare within G7, we really have very little excuse because our demographic is very small. So all of this should put us in a situation where we're able to meet those Gaps.
0: As always, uh, incredibly informative, Prachi. I will remind everybody municipal elections are coming up and decisions made at this level for education are very important. So get out and vote. Uh, You're going to be back next month with more uh, discussion about education. But as always, thank you for joining me today, Prachi. If people want to keep up with you, where can they find you? They
4: can follow me on Twitter at Prachi Srivast or you can find me at Western University um, and you can uh, find my website there.
0: Okay, perfect. I just want to mention to everybody that I am going to put a link in the liner notes when the show goes out on podcast of the 17 goals. Uh, I think it's uh, great information for everybody to have. So thank you for joining me today, Prachi. Thanks, Candace. I have a weird obsession with laundry. I felt pretty alone with this, but then I found my next guest on TikTok. Melissa Pateras is a mom of three, a social worker, and has a passion for laundry that has helped her gain 1.2 million followers around the globe who follow her for laundry tips, hacks, and pure comic relief on one of life's most mundane tasks. Melissa is joining me now to talk laundry talk. Welcome to the show, Melissa.
5: Thank you very much.
0: I have to ask, what was the inspiration for starting? Laundry talk.
5: Well, you know, funny enough, it's a. It was another TikToker, uh, Hannah Bread Talk. If you're familiar with her, she makes bread, and uh, I had watched her when I first started on the app, and I thought it was absolutely amazing how she was able to kind of capture people without speaking and just sort of uh, eye contact and some music. So uh, I duetted her <laughs> doing laundry. <laughs> And it just sort of took off from there. And I was surprised at the response. And so uh, we did what I called uh, closet porn and basically showed my closet and and my drawers. And uh, I knew I was weird, uh, but uh, I just didn't know that anybody else would be interested in it. So it just sort of, uh, it, it just took off from there and it kind of became a, A very strange thing that has surprised me. And
0: (laughs) I was going to say, were you surprised by the response to this?
5: Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Completely shocked. You know, uh, one of my first TikToks uh, doing the laundry was, uh, you know, I used to be funny because I always thought, yeah, I'm more funny than anything else. Uh, And then uh, the laundry just sort of came out of nowhere. And then I and I kept doing laundry and. you know, I, I was doing it to music, doing a lot of eye contact. People were interested in that. And then I just sort of uh, morphed into, you know, like whole cleaning hacks and, and now even construction. I mean, I've always uh, I've always worked in construction and, and done renovations and that sort of thing. So it's kind of morphed into that. And I, I, I don't necessarily stick within uh, the rules of TikTok, which is, you know, pick a niche and and stay with it. Um, you know, I just I I mix it up a bit and uh hope that people like it.
0: <laughs> well, they're absolutely responding, but speaking of people liking it, you had a fan in Australia. I did. Who has become your partner. Yeah. Uh so can you tell us a little bit about that?
5: Yeah. Um, you know, it was the funniest thing, you know, I was on the app and I I just I saw this girl come up on my for you page and uh I just thought, well, she is funny, you know, and you don't usually get pretty and funny and all the things all together. And I thought, huh. So I started following her and following her. And then uh, she was at the same time following me, I suppose. Uh, and then she duetted me and I was like, oh, okay, she's, you know, this is great. Uh, and then we just sort of went back and forth for quite a while and then just, uh, you know, started talking and, uh, Surprisingly, we spent uh, six to eight hours a day on video chats, uh, fell in love, and she has moved to Canada. She sold everything she owns, and we just did it. Who could have imagined a love story like this coming
0: out of TikTok? It's just, it's so great. I love every aspect of this story. Uh, So what's next for you? Because you're a social worker. You work full time. I do. how much time do you invest in TikTok a day, and do you see this leading somewhere else?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I, I initially, you know, you talked about one of the first videos I did, uh, which, which I put out on Facebook, um, and that one, that one kind of blew up, and then I was on Good Morning America, and it was, it was just that's where it, it sort of went crazy, and then I, but really, the whole premise, the whole point of it was just to sort of keep yourself busy during uh, Quarantine, like we were just, my kids were nervous and uncomfortable. We, we nobody knew what was happening, so we were just making videos just to have fun. And then, you know, I I started on TikTok and, um, you know, and I don't. I'm a big one where I don't have a peel box. I don't take anything from anybody. I never accept any anything like that. Um, And I've just kind of waited. I I I do have a book in the works um which is a a, a very large project and um it it's it's a huge project uh i'm not self-publishing so it's there's a lot of people involved (laughs) and um and then whatever else comes comes but yeah because like you know i'm working full-time and i and we uh tracy and i bought the new house and and we completely gutted it so we're working on that i have three kids um you know it's 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 very busy i have my merch line and and everything else and it's it's incredibly busy but you know if anything else comes of it i have no idea we'll see it's just right now it's fun and yeah i do spend a lot of time more thinking about the TikToks rather than actually doing them.
0: I have to ask, you have
5: teenagers. I do. I have two teenagers.
0: What has their response been to your popularity on TikTok? Are they mortified or are they thrilled?
5: Well, my 19-year-old daughter, uh, she thinks it's kind of just dumb. Um, she's okay with it. Um, I think during her first year of university, she didn't tell anybody. And then her roommates all of a sudden saw it and said, wait a second, you never told us your mom was laundry talk. But now all of her friends call me laundry talk and everything else. Um, My son is a little bit embarrassed more for the innuendos. He's 16 and he just thinks it's dumb. And then once in a while, um, some of his friends will have my videos saved. Like he said, Mom, that book you read is on my buddy's phone. Like, that's horrible. you got to stop doing that. (laughs) Um, And my eight-year-old thinks it's a hoot. And she just wants to do dances with me on TikTok. But they've all been pretty good. Uh, I think that they get annoyed if I tell them, like, they have to be quiet while I'm trying to record something. <laughs> That's about it.
0: I can relate to that. So <laughs> I want people to be able to find you, Melissa. Get follow uh, Laundry Talk. Get all your uh, literally. You do give great tips, and I do want people to know this. Your your advice has been excellent. I picked up quite a few from you, and I thought I was obsessed with laundry. <laughs> so
5: where can people connect with you? So I am on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, and I am on Insta. My Insta's not great. I just feel like I'm too old for Insta, but. Uh, it's it's everything's under my name and it's Melissa Pateras, but my my maiden name is Delks, which is D I L K E S. So it's Melissa Delks Pateras, um, and that's it. I that's it's just my names all three, and yeah, I mean I post a lot on Facebook. I post different. I try to do different stuff on each platform, but yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, and we'll see what, what's next. I don't know.
0: Well, I'm so glad you joined me, and I definitely want you back when this book comes out. So please let me know when, when it's ready to be published. Thanks
5: so much, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me, and it was nice meeting you. More
2: of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up.
5: Roughly one in
0: three Canadians are not getting enough magnesium, which can severely impact their health. Magnesium deficiency can cause muscle weakness, fatigue, headaches, insomnia, irritability, cramping, bloating, and more. Magnesium matters. New Roots Herbal offers a wide array of magnesium products, including Heart Mag, Clarity Mag, and Ultra Gentle Magnesium Biglycinate in capsules, as well as a delicious lemon lime powder. Getting enough? Couldn't be easier. Available exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label.
2: And now, back to what she said. Here's Candace Sampson.
0: With her breathtaking vocals and heartwarming guitar playing, Ottawa artist Steph LaRochelle is making her mark. Her angelic and emotive performances have earned her slots in the Ottawa Bluesfest Emerging Artist Showcase as well as the coveted Canadian Country Music Association's Discovery Program, which included a CCMA award nomination. On October 21st, Steph released her debut album Wildflower. She joins me now to discuss. Welcome to what she said, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. This must be very exciting for you um, to be debuting an album, especially in your hometown. How are you feeling?
6: Absolutely. This has been um, a goal for a while. So um, the universe kind of had other plans and uh, I've had some of these songs in my back, back pocket for a while, but um, I'm very, very excited to be releasing it and to to be sharing it with, um, with my hometown on uh, Saturday. So you, uh, the song we're going to play today is
0: called "No Sleep Tonight." Tell me about that song specifically.
6: Yeah, "No Sleep Tonight." Um, so the album kind of covers your, you know, we've got classic breakup songs and, and love songs and all that sort of stuff. Um, "No Sleep Tonight" is about someone in a relationship who is uh, struggling to sort of hold on or let go, and um, yeah, the, the album sort of follows this this path of of Um, somebody going through a tough relationship and and coming out of it and uh, being stronger on the other side. So this is sort of that that person sort of in the thick of it.
0: When did you start writing this album?
6: Yeah, um, some of these songs um, I've had sort of Some of them I I wrote a few years back, um, and I sort of, I I went on tour with um, a Broadway musical, Dear Evan Hansen, and that sort of pulled me away from from music for a little bit, so some of them I had written sort of before that experience, and um, I've sort of had them in my back pocket and never got a chance for the world to hear them, so I'm, I'm really excited to finally be releasing them now.
0: Well, we love having uh, new artists on what she said. And so today we're going to close out today's show with No Sleep Tonight by Steph La Rochelle. And Steph, where can people keep up with you?
6: You can uh, find me and all my social info at StephLaRochelle.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining
0: me today. And uh, best of luck with your uh, premiere uh, on the
6: 22nd. Thank you so much.
7: see. start.
0: This week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at What She talk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson wherever you listen to podcasts to catch past episodes and extended interviews. I'll be back next week with another What She Said.